The Trump campaign arrives in Indiana. Is this Trump territory? The state GOP prepares for a platform fight. Planned Parenthood files a lawsuit and periods for Pence. That plus an answer to the question, where's John Gregg, the broom guy, and more on Indiana Week in Review for the week ending April 8, 2016. Programming is made possible by Ice Miller. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com. This week, the campaign of GOP frontrunner Donald Trump arrived in Indiana after a disappointing performance in Wisconsin. Former state GOP chairman Rex Early is Trump's point man in Indiana. Tony Samuel is assisting him. They promise that Trump will make multiple visits here before the May 3rd primary. Here's Early, followed by Samuel. Trump is my guy, and uh, I think he's one of the reasons is he's a conservative. We're going to work hard here in Indiana and try to get all 57 delegates uh, for, for Mr. Trump here in Indiana. Tonight is, attorney. is Trump the favorite in Indiana? It's the first question for our Indiana Week in Review panel, Democrat Ann Delaney. Republican Mike McDaniel. John Schwannis, the host of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Ketzenberger, president of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. I'm Wish TV State House reporter Jim Schella. Mike McDaniel, is Rex Early a good fit for Donald Trump? Uh, this is a great pick by the Trump campaign because uh, Rex Early is one of the most beloved uh, leaders in the history of the Republican Party in Indiana. He's got friends all over the state. He knows how to put an organization together. He's great with the media. He's always good for a good quote, as you know. Yes. From him being on this show for a long time. And uh, uh, he uh, is really an ideal pick for this particular campaign. And I think it's important that you have people involved in each one of these presidential campaigns that have some kind of strong Indiana connection, like Ann Hathaway is running the Casey campaign, Hathaway Strategies. And there's another person knows her way around. And I think at the end of the day, then if one of those people would happen to win, the, the, then you've got somebody you can go to to kind of navigate your way through the new administration. So uh, I think this was a good pick for the Trump campaign. Uh, and it'll be interesting because you know he's going to make it fun before it's over. So. Rex and, and uh, Trump tends we to liven things up. We may be in a situation where Trump's got to apologize for Rex before <laughs> Well, that could oh, be. Oh, I think that could happen. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, is this Trump territory? Oh, I think it's Trump territory. It's obviously territory for Marlon Stutzman, too. So, you know, it's a, it's a mighty thin pancake here for Rex because, you know, on one hand, you, you, there's so much of the establishment Republican Party trying to stop Trump, and here's Rex running into the fray. But, you know, certainly the First Amendment protects his choice. If he wants to, if he wants to, to, uh, to uh, befriend a uh, narcissistic uh, reality show goofball who knows nothing about foreign policy so, or running the government. So are you undecided? Or, or running the government and who was born on third base and thinks he hit a triple? I mean, I think that's entirely Rex's... 
Uh, is that, choice, First uh, Amendment. Are those are those all of your Trump talking points? No, no, no. There are many, many more. <laughs> yeah, it's like he can't make list. up his mind where he is yeah. on a position from one day to the next, you know, and he thinks he's in the middle I of an animal say, house food fight. I didn't say fight. give me all of them. Well, I thought <laughs> I, I could <laughs> Okay. An animal house food fight for a presidential campaign. That's really <laughs> okay. statesmanlike. So Mike mentioned that, that John Kasich uh, has employed Hathaway Strategies to help put things together here. Um, and and uh, Pete Seed at Hathaway Strategies says uh, Indiana should be good to John Kasich being a neighboring state. And, and uh, they like to compare Kasich to Mitch Daniels. Does he- well, Mitch Daniel, or, uh, Kasich has liked to pre- uh, compare himself to Mitch Daniels, too. I mean, when he was governor in Ohio, he often held up Mitch Daniels as someone who he would emulate or, or who he borrow ideas from. And, and so I'm not surprised by the corollary there. But uh, uh, I think it's going to be a fascinating race. Uh, I can't wait until the circus rolls into town. <laughs> well, I think it's coming. What's interesting to me is that uh, Ted Cruz, uh, has an, his father made an appearance in, in northern Indiana this week. But so far, we haven't heard anything about a formal organization here. I'm sure it's coming, though. Uh, you know, we talked a week or two ago about uh, the, the stage being set for the Indiana primary. And, and uh, one of the reasons I think we haven't seen, as we discussed before, a lot of the candidates uh, making in-person appearances here at this point is because of the way the, the primary calendar is structured. They're focused on little states like, say, New York. Uh, and, and maybe and Pennsylvania. And Wisconsin prior to that, and, yeah. and Pennsylvania. Uh, so I think in due time they will be here. There, there will be, I think, as we discussed, maybe six, seven-day gap between uh, the primary prior to Indiana's and here, and you may get to see more of them than you want during those yeah. uh, during that. Well, once would probably be more than enough. <laughs> if Trump would have to win the election in November, I'm sure Rex would help connect Ann to the embassy of her choice for whatever country she chooses. Uh, <laughs> Canada. No, I'm guessing third world. No, All right. Canada. Mo- moving on. There's a new group of Indiana Republicans who are working to eliminate a statement in support of traditional marriage from the state party platform. They call themselves the Enterprise Republicans. Two years ago, the state GOP platform said that, quote, strong families based on marriage between a man and a woman are the foundation of society. It's a statement that produced controversy in 2014, and it hasn't gone away. As the executive director of the Enterprise Republicans, Megan Robertson is organizing a fight to leave social statements out of the party platform. She says that platform hearings are stacked against the Republicans who agree with her. It pits people against each other, and that's not what we want to do. I like the platform to be focused on the issues that unite us all as Republicans, things that, uh, you know, pretty much, if you're a Republican, you agree with this. There'll be a free and open opportunity for anyone who would like to participate to do so. So to speculate on anything substantive at this point would be premature. And that's State Representative Eric Cook, who chairs the platform committee, and Delaney, do party platforms matter? Well, I think they can matter because, I mean, it's, it, it is clearly a statement of what Republicans stand for. And when you have a statement in there that actually uh, ignores the Supreme Court ruling uh, on, on same-sex marriage, it is a throwback. I don't think it necessarily represents the majority of the Hoosiers. I'm not even sure it represents a majority of the Republicans. But it certainly represents a majority of the right-wing Republicans who control the process. Well, uh, Megan Robertson's not the only one uh, fighting this battle. Mike McQuillan, who's on the Indianapolis City County Council and who co-chaired a previous platform committee, uh, is also fighting this. Uh, There's a division. Yeah, I was at this uh, first public hearing. 
Uh, they've scheduled three public hearings. I thought that it was a very positive, uh, very useful debate on the issue, very open. Uh, people on both sides of the issue spoke. We had about, I'd guess, between 50 and 75 people show up in Greenwood for the hearing the other night. And uh, I thought it was, for the most part, respectful. Uh, a couple of times when people used some arguments that were a little out there. But uh, uh, for the most part, it was a good exchange. And uh, I will say this. Uh, we have three public hearings for our platform. Democrats aren't having any public hearings. So, okay, so you know, at least it's one of those where you allow people to come in and say what they want to say, and we're having that debate. Yeah. And I thought it was very helpful. Megan so Robertson argues. Well, what, what we didn't see here, and it's left out of this, the very next line after the line that Jim quoted says, but we understand that there are other arrangements where the, the person two loving parents are important to the, you know. There's a line I'm paraphrasing badly. But everybody forgets that that line's the very next line in the platform. I don't know that it's going to change, but we're having that debate. Yeah, I, but, you know, we've come a long ways from Mitch Daniels saying that we should avoid social issues. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and he got pushed back even then. At the time, you'll recall, even though I think that was probably the right thing to say, given the challenges that faced Indiana's economy, the national economy, uh, people were concerned about... Uh, you didn't even have to say the KISS method. It's, the, you know, keep it simple, stupid. It's the economy. Everybody knew it. And, and I think uh, Mitch Daniels tapped into that. But it was some backlash with the conservative factions within the party that when he was toying with a presidential bid, you'll recall, Jim, remembered the moratorium on, on social issues. So um, in, a, in a way, this is a bit of a revisitation of that, of that issue. Uh, and you're right. Nobody will read the platform. This is the irony. Uh, when it's all said and done, probably. I mean, a few people, but yeah. but what what they take away? They'll read is, parts of it. They'll what, read well, parts of it. No, yeah, use no, it. what they take to their purpose. What they yeah. take away is these the coverage of it, and right. and and so yes, it has an impact, but it's not the document itself as much as the spin and the argument surrounding yeah. the document. So give me give me a, a prediction, John Ketzenberger. Will there be a marriage statement in the GOP platform? Uh, I think there will, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if there is the moderating language that Mike talked about because. You do have an organized effort of people who are party stalwarts, people who have been very active in the party. And I think that the leadership, uh, if, they, if they think about it enough, ought to respect that wing. And, um, you know, they're going to try to have it both ways, I think. And they'll, they'll put some language in there that acknowledges uh, that, that there are other ways to arrange a family. Moving on, federal judge Tanya Walton-Pratt will decide if Indiana's new abortion law will take effect when she rules on a lawsuit filed by Planned Parenthood. The law would prohibit abortion at Planned Parenthood clinics under a number of circumstances, including when the fetus has Down syndrome. The head of Indiana Right to Life called the lawsuit, quote, the same song and dance we've seen from the abortion provider anytime they feel their lucrative abortion business is threatened. And a spokeswoman for Mike Pence said the governor, quote, has every confidence the law is constitutional. Here's Betty Cockrum of Planned Parenthood. Here in Indiana, we have a governor who finds his own personal views on these things and his own personal ideology more important than, than good public health policy and constitutional behavior. John Ketzenberger, is Tanya Walton-Pratt the judge that Planned Parenthood would like to hear this case? Uh, well, I think they're pretty, probably pretty confident in their case overall, but the answer to your question directly is yes. Um, the judge has had a number of cases uh, come before her of important in the last few years. 
Um, and she tends to take a look at, uh, at things from a more liberal perspective. So I think it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, we'll see if she um, stops the law from taking effect on July 1st. Um, but it's going to get careful review. There's no doubt about that. We saw this in 2013. Uh, then, as it now, the ACLU and Planned Parenthood teamed up to fight new abortion restrictions. They were successful then. This seems to be uh, a, a more odious law than that one. Um, exactly. It would seem they're on the right track. Uh, it would seem that, that way, based on uh, what we've seen in other jurisdictions. You know, Indiana is only the second state that has adopted this, North Dakota being uh, the other uh, state. So I don't know if this particular issue has been tested, but as you suggest and as John suggested, if you look at the track record, not only of, of this judge but others in other jurisdictions, this seems to be uh, a bit outside what, what most uh, jurists view as a proper interpretation of Roe v. Wade. And, and if I'm not mistaken, the same judge, what was it, 2011, 2012, didn't she strike down a law that would have prevented funding from going to uh, certain institutions or nonprofits that uh, provided abortion services and so forth? And so, I mean, there's, there is some, a track record here, you might say, uh, uh, if I'm not mistaken about that. So I, I don't know that we can assume that this law will be blocked, but if it is, it becomes a campaign tool nevertheless, right? Well, I think it's going to be an issue. I mean, as long as it's out there, it's going to be an issue. And clearly, the state, as it is everywhere, is really divided on this. People feel strongly about it on both sides. But John made the point that uh, I think this law was patterned after the North Dakota law. That lawsuit is already in progress. And so I would assume that at some point you're going to see attachment to that because they're so similar in legislation, you're probably going to see arguments made either in support of or whatever on both sides of the, of the North Dakota situation. But it'll be a year and a half, two years before we know anything on this. Well, no, she could enjoin. They're she, asking she for could, an injunction. She could enjoin the enforcement of this, which makes sense. This is a completely ill-thought-out law. I mean, it, it design, it's designed to make, have women make decisions based on no information. Because if you were advising a doctor... You would tell the doctor, you don't want to tell the woman that there's something wrong with the fetus here. You don't want to tell her that there isn't something wrong with the fetus because who knows where the liability is. It's an attempt to penalize doctors. I mean, they decided not, obviously, for political reasons to penalize women because there are too many of them. So they're going to go after the doctors instead. And it is completely poorly thought out. I mean, it is, it is just... It is an attempt to force someone else's religious views on the entire public and use taxpayer money to do that. It'll be unconstitutional. It should be unconstitutional. And we should stop trying to be the most restrictive, ridiculously restrictive state in the union. I don't think Mike Pence has a, has a problem with that concept. Being, that being most, unconstitutional? No, but being the most restrictive. But he also says that it is constitutional. Yeah, and when was the last time he practiced law? <laughs> He okay. is a lawyer. He well, a that lawyer. may be, but he has never practiced, and obviously, because he has supported laws in the past who have been held unconstitutional. So his interpretation of what the Constitution permits is probably not the one you want to go to. I mean, to. if his administration were correct, there would be no Syrian immigrants uh, in the state of Indiana and, and or the refugees. Other, the, others, the other one would have, yeah, it's ridiculous. All right. A protest to that abortion bill is going viral and was trending internationally this week. It's called... 
periods for pets. It started with a Facebook page that attracted thousands of followers on its original post. The page says any woman could potentially miscarry on her period without knowing. And since the new law states women who do not report an abortion and properly dispose of the remains could suffer penalties, the page is encouraging women to call the governor's office and report their periods. They're doing it. John Schwannis, is that silly, meaningful, or something else? You want me to talk about this now? Um, <laughs> I, uh, it's, it's reported, you're married, on, you're familiar it's, it's with the reported on in the New York Times today. That's, yeah. And that's the answer, Jim. Uh, this is the, the people behind this want to make a point. And it's the point that Ann just articulated a moment ago with, uh, with the previous question about whether it's constitutional or not. What better way to get people talking, to get national media attention, New York Times and other outlets, uh, and it has gotten in other national outlets and networks as well, than to do something like this? It's, it's provocative, intentionally so. It's, uh, it's not your typical protest. But in this era of social media protest, it, it takes it in a direction that hasn't, uh, as far as I know, been explored before. And uh, so I guess the question was, is it, is it silly or is it effective? Or, uh, it's effective. I think it's effective if, if, in fact, the goal here is to shine a light on the Indiana law. Well, it's also a great example of how social media is affecting today's political discourse. You know, I would argue that it is using social media to promote something that's been going on for time immemorial, and that is using hyperbole to point out the what, what these people who are against this or trying to point this out consider a ridiculous situation. I mean, there is a long, long history of that. They've just taken it to social media and made it immediate. And so um, they're upholding that long tradition of, of using hyperbole to make their point and do it in a way that's very memorable. Mike Pence gets uh, more social media attention than most politicians. Because his positions are so ridiculous. I mean, he is forcing, force-feeding his own religious views on people. And it, like in this particular case, the disposal of the remains of, of fetuses that don't make it to term, there's not been a problem with that in this state. Nobody's saying they're disposed of improperly, but the legislature comes in and says how it has to be done, okay? They should mind their own business, and they should leave those kinds of decisions to the woman and, the, and, the, and the, the man who are involved in this and let them take care of it. But they can't do that. They have to tweak it every single time to try to make it as embarrassing and as difficult as possible. And those decisions are tough to make. Women don't decide on abortions on the way to have their pedicures done. They just don't. Can Mike Pence ignore this? Well, I don't think anybody can ignore it, nor do they want to ignore it. But this is, again, you know... In the case of periods for Pence, I mean, this is free speech, and this comes with the process. You know, they have the right to do what they're doing. But what they do when they do that, you just strengthen the resolve again of the people on the other side. And, and the publicity that you say they're getting as a result of this, if you don't think there's as much backlash within those people that are supportive of what's going on, about abortions in, in Indiana on the other side of this, it just strengthens that. And so uh, they become even more emboldened on both sides of this thing. And this is still a pro-life state, and it will be. And so, you know, I don't think this hurts him a bit uh, going forward as far as these elections are concerned this year. Now, the external uh, publicity that you get, will that have an effect on Indiana elections? Probably not. So, you know, I don't think this has any effect on him. This isn't pro-life. This is pro-birth. 
I mean, the same person who says that he wants to protect the most vulnerable will not put the resources into either child abuse or adult abuse. They just let the child be born and then they wash their hands of it. The problem with it is you can be pro-life, as a number of the women in the legislature who are Republican are pro-life, and still think that this is a bad law and a bad invasion of privacy on the part of the legislature. It'll embolden the Republican right wing in the legislature. The question is, the majority of people out there, many of whom see nuances to this issue, are I, not going to be emboldened. I think you have misread what the majority is in the state of Indiana. I don't think issue. so. But time now, time now for viewer feedback. Each week, we pose an unscientific online poll question in conjunction with our Ice Miller email and text alerts. This week's question, how would you describe periods for pants? Your choices are A, brilliant, B, juvenile, or C, uncomfortable. Last week's question, did INDOT pick the right route for the final leg of I-69? 50% said yes, 13% said no, 37% said it's a can't-win circumstance. If you'd like to take part in the poll, go to wfyi.org slash iwir and look for the poll. Where's John Gregg? Republicans are asking that question about the Democratic candidate for governor. Some Democrats are, too. Gregg is keeping a low public profile in his second bid for governor, but he thinks it's the right approach. We found him in his downtown Indianapolis headquarters. Four years ago, Gregg held his first major news conference in April, and he came within three points of beating Mike Pence. Once the primary comes and goes, I think you'll see things starting to ratchet up, and we're doing it now. It may just not be noticeable here in Indianapolis. Mike McDaniel, he says that people are anxious to see a higher public profile from him because they consider Mike Pence vulnerable. Is that a good answer? I think uh, what you've got going on here is that John's trying to take time to figure out who John is. John's changed his opinion on some major issues. And uh, then lately, the one that got me that I enjoyed the most was that he's decided that Mitch Daniels is his role model, uh, which I found to be funny uh, coming from John, uh, but uh, in an effort to try to uh, swing voters in his direction. Uh, and I think he's, that he's, kind of chameleon, I think that kind of chameleon approach, John's probably trying to sort out who he is and what he is because it's not what he has been all of his political career. And we're still 200 days out right. from the election, which is an eternity. So I'm not uh, concerned about not seeing him out there. In fact, every day I don't see him out there, I think it's another day for a plus for the Republicans. But, I mean, for him to be, you know, saying stuff like, uh, Mitch Daniels is my role model, I mean, I, that's laughable. Some Democrats are getting anxious. I've, he's been all over the state, okay, and I've seen for him democratic at events, things. right? Yeah, but the, but the bottom line on this is what, what's interesting about it is Mike Pence keeps shooting himself in the foot. You don't want to detract from that. <laughs> what what John Gregg is doing is raising money, and he's been incredibly successful on it. If it hadn't been for the Republican Governors Association dumping a million and a half into Mike Pence's campaign in this last go round, he would have outraised John. John, John Gregg, Gregg would, would have outraised Mike the Pence by money? twice. Excluding twi the union The union money? money comes from union workers in the <laughs> yeah, state. Okay. okay? Right. Yeah. But the point is, the point well, is that he has outraised Mike Pence, and whatever, that tells you something about whatever they, Well, what he's been doing while he's been keeping a low profile is raising money, and whatever the comparison you want to make, he is having better success than he had four years ago. Uh, I think his approach, as Mike suggests, has changed a lot. Um, he's approaching this race very differently than he did last time, and that's not to say he didn't want to win, but he had a, a very different look and, and a feel and appearance about that race. I think this time he's got his head down. Um, he's got a record to run against, 
and he intends to do that with all of the resources that Ann talked about. And if there's, and it's probably the perceived vulnerability of the incumbent that, that uh, shakes loose uh, a lot of the dollars, especially as this campaign progresses. That's probably his best shot at getting the national dollars as organizations not well, based in Indiana yeah. say, well, where's yeah. there a vulnerable incumbent? Indiana, perhaps. And two, two groups have moved him from certain Republican to into leaning Republican. Nexus toss-up. Finally, the governor, the House Speaker, and others are coming to the defense of an Indianapolis man this week. He's affectionately called the broom guy because he sells brooms. Jim Richter is 78 years old and blind, but he was recently told he could no longer set up on any post office properties across the city. And Delaney, was he treated poorly? Absolutely. I mean, whoever's complaining about that ought to get a life. Here he is with a disability, and he's making a living, and he's doing something that's worthwhile. I've purchased brooms from him before, as many of us have, and they ought to leave him alone and let him earn a living. Uh, I, there were complaints, apparently, at, at the, the Nora Post Office. Um, is this the way to resolve it? Uh, no, and I've interacted with this gentleman, as Ann suggested, and I've never seen anything that begins to look like that. Uh, and I think they were uh, good to try to come to his defense, and hopefully the Postal Service will come to their senses and turn this around. Yeah, the governor says he'll call the postmaster. You think it'll make a difference? Well, either that or he'll get a more prominent location. You know, some smart <laughs> business person who is following this yeah. controversy is going to say, you're going to be a fixture at the front of our store or our... Uh, they've already offered. Forget they've already standing outside the of the polls. Yeah. We'll put you in the concourse here in the, in the lobby, and, and good for him. That's Indiana Week in Review for this week. Our panel is Democrat Ann Delaney, Republican Mike McDaniel, John Schwanis, the host of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Ketzenberger of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. If you'd like a podcast of this program, you can find it at wfyi.org slash iwir or starting Monday. You can stream it or get it on demand from Xfinity or Bright House Networks. I'm Jim Shella of Wish TV. We'll see you again next week. Programming is made possible by Ice Miller. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com.